Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hello, friends and lovers, possibly. Happy Wednesday. We've got a great show for you today. We are talking about surveillance and your kids. Is keeping tabs on them with all this technology a good thing or bad? I just don't understand how it could be a bad thing. I guess we'll find out. Then we're talking doing homework with your kids. Hate it or love it. Oh my God, I just have hot takes for all of our topics today. And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag. But up next, take it away, progeny. The tits and the sits. Okay, so my tits are travel, travel, travel. Lee and I have so much little travel planned. It's already started. We went to Baltimore this weekend for my sister's baby shower. This coming weekend, we're going to Ohio for his best friend's 60th birthday party. And then the next weekend, we booked a cute little upstate fall foliage home that is in the woods that has lots of windows. Me, Luna, and Daddy in the country. I think it's always good to have things to look forward to. I feel like that's one of the things I learned from my mom. If there's nothing going on, she's like, we need to plan a vacation because she just needs to have something to look forward to. You know, travel doesn't have to be some crazy expense too. It's not like you have to go to Disney World and spend thousands of dollars. You can literally rent a motel room upstate for a day or two and just enjoy that. Right. And the thing about this is when it gets dark like this, I do get the seasonal depression. Yes. Also, just pro tip, planning something that embraces that, like an upstate fall situation where if it's cold and rainy, you just dress for it in costume. <laughs> it helps get you through when the season changes affecting you. And then, you know what? I'm just going to have just tits today because why not? Oh, I love that. My second tit is, and this is so very Carrie Sotero tooting her own horn. In a short amount of time of living here in Montclair, I feel like I've made a little splash. I was featured in the Bear Sand, which is our little community newspaper. It was like a year or two ago. Yeah. And then I got asked to do the story salon and all the proceeds go to this arts program here in Montclair. It's on Wednesday. I'm really excited about it. I wrote a true story about going on a couple's only sandals vacation with a boyfriend that I'd already broken up with. I don't know. It's very important for me to be a part of the community that I live in. It always has been. And luckily my job slash hobbies have me very much in the community. Being a yoga teacher is a really easy way to get to know a lot of people in your community. I feel like I'm proud of myself because I was such a part of my community in Brooklyn and I was such a Brooklyn girl entrenched in that area and just knew everybody. I was really nervous moving to Montclair. I do have some social anxiety. Lee and I had a conversation. He's like, I'm really proud of you. You're really putting yourself out there. You're going to birthday parties. You're doing things with people in the community. Like, I'm really proud of you. You're getting over some of that social stuff or at least you're hiding it better. (laughs) And I was like a little bit of both. For me, it doesn't matter whether you're hiding it or not. It's a scary thing to walk into a new situation, no matter who you are, whether you're used to putting yourself out there or not. I think it's great. I have to say, ever since that doctor told me I have some sensory stuff, whatever it is, let's not even name it, just that I do struggle for some sensory stuff. I don't know why, but the awareness of knowing that that's a thing and it isn't just me, and then reading books about how to modify your life based on that thing has really helped. I find myself being like, oh, that would not be a normal thing to say. Okay, let's adjust. Self-awareness, crazy. I take more notice of what regular people do, and then I just do the same thing. Yeah. Before, I think I was oblivious. I was just like, eh. 
whatever. It's helped. For me, A, I'm feeling a little under the weather. I have taken zinc. I've taken propolis. I've taken oil of oregano this morning. I am trying everything. Aside from that, I feel like I have a ton of things. Firstly, I had my first PTO meeting last week, which was fine. My whole reason for joining the PTO is because my mom was in the PTA. She always said as I was getting older, it was a really good way for her to be involved, know who I was around all the time, know the school I was in. I have my own little anxieties of who are these people? There's so many new people. There's so many kids. How is he not going to get lost in the shuffle? So it's my way of keeping tabs on that. What ended up happening is they were like, who wants to be class parent? I raised my hand. Now I'm a class parent. I don't think I needed to go that far. My Virgo tendencies in the meeting I was like oh career day I should tell them I'm a podcaster and this and that and the other oh this I should tell them this and the whole time I'm like Ashley you have so much on your plate you can't handle relax things will come with time or they won't ended up volunteering for picture day last week which was really nice that's something I would love some of the people were like you gotta take that off or you gotta fix your hair and I was like hi do you want me to help you with your hair and some kids would be like nope I said okay if they want to look a mess I can't just touch a kid. Some of my worst school pictures are the ones we love the best. We're like, remember that time? That's what I chose to wear. And also, what was that smile I practiced that looked very uncomfortable? (laughs) Absolutely. So there's two classes for each grade. So second grade comes in and the girls are wearing little dresses and they're sitting on the bleachers with their legs crossed and putting on lip gloss, giving total bitch face. Then third grade, all the girls are sitting in the mirror, combing their hair and they're like, ooh, gel. Sounds like a hot mess express. It was so (laughs) interesting to watch these little kids. The fourth grade boys are sitting there and they're the ones that are focused on their hair. Just such an interesting character study. And we know that's why I love reality TV. It was totally up my alley. But now I have to land this trunk or treat. It's like a whole... Trunk or treat? Yes. Do you know what that is? Like tailgating. Yes, exactly. Then, last week was also my birthday. Happy birthday! Thank you. It was fine. You got your purse, I know, Matt told me. I got my purse, which I'm very happy about. I love this bag, and I also love that it's not a crazy expensive bag, so that's good. It screams quiet luxury to me. Exactly the point. By screams, I mean it whispers. (laughs) Yes, it says quiet luxury. She's a little bit wealthy, except this bag wasn't expensive. Just a little bit. This was doable. But then Matt's birthday, Matt turned 40. As Lee calls it, level four. He's reached level four. He has reached level four. He's a little bit of a bougie bitch. I had booked massages and then like two days beforehand I was like I should probably tell him because if he's hung over he's not going to want to do that and I don't want to lose the money so we ended up canceling that and just spending all day in bed in the hotel and going to a very nice tasting menu chef's counter thing at this place called Atera. That's all they do. And I had one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life there. It was so good, but it fucked up our stomachs so badly. I think it was just so rich and decadent. My stomach is still wrecked two days later. I one time went on a first date to the Red Cat, a very, very rich French restaurant that's hard to get reservations. My stomach was so effed up. There was going to be no romance that night. No. I'm just not used to heavy French cooking. It was delicious. Right. I was in pain. Yeah. I haven't pooped right. It has been a whole thing. It was delicious. I enjoyed it. It was worth every penny, but it was just too much. No shits. That's it. Maybe soon you will have one so that your belly feels better. I would love to. 
So there's a Black Mirror episode about putting a microchip in your kid's brain that is able to track everything about them. And in the story, they find out that the girl is having sex and then she runs away from home and they never see her again. Okay. And so when I first saw this article, I was like, oh. And so then I wanted to pull a bunch of different viewpoints about this, not just one viewpoint, because I feel like this surveillance issue is something we really need to think about because we're already kind of knee deep in it. It's only going to get worse. Yeah. And I think it's really something that as parents, we have to figure out what's ethical. So I pulled from a bunch of different places and it'll all be in the show notes, all the different articles. As we know, casual surveillance has become kind of a given in modern parenting. It's become a given in our life. Ring doorbells. Yeah. England's been doing this forever. CCTV, everything. You're being surveilled constantly, right? Right. As far as parenting goes, it's seeped in. One article talked to both teens and parents about tracking their locations, reading up on texts, checking up on their grades on the various portals multiple times a day. There's so many fucking portals. I have to use two for Sebastian in first grade. I have three for Luna. So 61% of parents admitted to monitoring their kids' internet activity. And half of them said they looked through their kids' messages or call logs. Now, they didn't talk about what age range, but specifically in this one article, they were talking to teens. So I'm guessing these are parents of teens. Okay. And there are plenty of reasons that parents might want to track their kids, right? Safety, curiosity, a desire to connect, and plenty of ways to do it. Parents can, so they sort of feel like they should. And that doing so is just good guardianship or good parenting. And it starts early with things like Class Dojo, which allows daycare and elementary school teachers to document every single minute of the school day, which would be annoying for me as a teacher. I've had to use it. I'm like, I don't want to take pictures. I want to be in it. I don't feel like class dojo is the same thing as like checking your kids' text messages. Well, we go on the different levels. Okay. In older grades, parents are encouraged to play an active role in their children's education by monitoring test scores and grades. This one woman said at open house night at her kid's school, they were told they should log in as an observer in Canvas, a school homework management app, so they could see every assignment and quiz. Canvas is what I have to use in my college for my grades. Location tracking continues after kids become legal adults and leave the house, with almost 32% of college students reporting that their parents currently track their location. I already track Sebastian's location. I have a watch that he wears, and I track his location. I do sometimes for Luna. I don't do it at school. I did it at camp, and we do it when she has a school trip. My worst fear, and I hate to be triggering for anybody, but is what happened with Uvalde. Something happened at Sebastian's school and I have no way of getting in touch with him. I have no way of knowing where he is. I would have been like that one mom. Fucking shoot me. Yeah, jumping through. Right. I'm going through and you're not going to stop me. My worst fear is what happened to Valerie, which is her kid's school bus took her to the wrong school. Yes. In a whole different borough of Manhattan and then left him there. I don't think there could be a scarier situation than that. And it happens to be her son is nonverbal autistic. But it's also Manhattan. And also the bus driver left the kid off at the school and the school was like, this is not my kid and just let him go. Like, what? Not okay. So much irresponsibility happening there, none of which is Valerie's fault. She was tracking him the whole entire time, but she wouldn't have known. You would never think that would happen. This is why I have that watch on him where I'm like, I just want to be prepared. I want to know where you are. There's been times where we've been at the Museum of Natural History or something and Luna has darted and I have had that hot sweat of being like, oh my God. And so I put the tracker on her. What can feel like good parenting in short term might paradoxically 
this is the interesting part, threaten a kid's ability to make safe choices in the long term. Tracking your teen's location may be easier than having difficult conversations about what you expect from them when it comes from drinking, sex, drugs, and the various other challenges of life as a teenager. See, I see that as that's not the problem with surveillance. That's a problem with parents not wanting to have a conversation with their child. You can still surveil your child. I still plan on having all those difficult conversations with Sebastian, even though I'm watching him. My take on that is that we are not denial people, you and I. No. But I certainly am related to and know a lot of denial people. Of course. And so I think that denial people might have that conversation later simply because they're not in tune because they don't want to be because it's denial with how early some of these conversations need to happen. So I think that it's not like you don't want to have them. I think it's that they might be in denial of how soon you need to have them. Mm. So monitoring our kids gives us a false sense of security and may leave them poorly prepared for a future without us. Now, I'm telling you as a teacher, I am seeing this in small ways. We are enabling our children to need us more and more and more and more. And I think it happened during COVID because we were trying to work from home. We were trying to do our kids' school. We were just trying to get through the day. And so what I'm noticing is kids that I'm teaching don't know how to do simple things. They keep losing things. They can't figure out how to use a toaster oven, which when you're in high school, I was fully cooking full meals. 100%. Kids going to college not being able to do laundry because it's easier to do it yourself. It's definitely easier for me to load my own dishwasher because it takes long for Luna to do it. But I'm committed to not having kids like the kids that I have taught. And I'm not blaming the parents. I'll be the first person to take responsibility because it's easier. I don't care to teach Sebastian those things or like, hey, Sebastian, go make your bed this morning. And when he makes it, it looks like shit. So the key is you just have to leave it like that. Right. And so I'm trying to get better because aside from this conversation, it's the conversation of how young men go off into life and how young women go off into life. At Sebastian's age, I made my own bed. My mom may have picked out my clothes, but I was getting myself dressed. I was doing all these things and I really get on mat about babying Sebastian too much but I do it in my own way also, which is he doesn't know how to make anything. I reorganized our pantry two weeks ago so that all his snacks are reachable for him. He can grab whatever he needs. The generation of our parents, yeah, maybe they weren't the most sensitive. (laughs) Maybe they were a little tough love. Maybe a lot of TikToks are like, I'm reparenting myself. But what they did teach us was independence. Absolutely. We were able to do stuff. I was overprotected. My grandma was always picking me up from school and stuff like that. Or I wasn't allowed to have sleepovers all the time, which I'm thankful for now. But in seventh grade, she said, if you want to go to ballet in the city by yourself, you can do that. Here is a cell phone. These are the rules of the cell phone. These are the parameters. I expect a call. You are not to give this out to anybody else. I would go in seventh grade on the path train into the city by myself, go to ballet, and then my mom would pick me up after work. Those little things, kids need them. I was a latchkey kid, like many 80s kids. Again, Elio's Pizza, fed our generation. I knew how to toaster oven cook and I knew what snacks I could have and I knew what time someone was going to get home. I knew my homework had to be done. Bim, bam, boom. I'm just saying that I can see it happening where it's not directly related to surveillance, but it's not not directly related. It's parents having a false sense of security because they're doing things for their kids that their kids 
should maybe be doing for themselves. It can also do lasting damage to the parent-child relationship. So they spoke to hundreds of teens, and again, they're credited in our show notes, and they repeatedly told me that they resent having their activity, especially their grades and their text monitored, to the degree that it can drive them away from their parents. One student shared that if she had a bad day at school, her stress was compounded knowing that she would have to face her mother at the end of the day and that she might greet her at the door, immediately demanding an explanation for a low grade. I'm going to kind of disagree on this. I know that there are statistics and stuff, but I think it's the parenting style that is happening in conjunction with the surveillance. Honestly, how dare any child be upset that their parents are looking at their grades? That is our job. We have a job as parents, and that is to know what our kids are doing, keep them safe, help them put their best foot forward in life, teach them lessons early on that they are then going to implement themselves or not in life. However, just because your kid has a bad day at school, it is then on you as a parent to handle it accordingly. If Sebastian is older and is always doing B and over and has a test that he doesn't do well on, I'm not going to get on his ass about it. I know, but some parents are. Totally, but that's because it's an issue with the parents. It's not an issue with the surveillance. Our second article talks a little bit about this. I just really think it's a parent thing more than the surveillance. I was a kid that didn't always do great in school. I ended up doing good in school overall, but I definitely struggled. I don't want to check every little test grade. No, I agree. I'm too busy. I don't have time. And I also want my kid to feel like the person that will help them deal with it is me. And I want them to tell me about it. And I want to make a safe space where if my kid is having a bad day and if they did bad on a quiz or a test or not an end of marking period, that they'll say, you know, mom, I did really bad on this test. I'm really sad. I want to foster the kind of environment where I I don't have to check all the time. I agree with you. And I also want to trust that my kid's school would reach out to me with an email if something was happening or they were noticing a pattern because I want my child's teachers and school to be caring about my child as an individual and not just as a part of a larger group. And so if they saw something, I want to be able to trust that I wouldn't have to keep that kind of tab. I know that that's not the case in every school. Just for the record, I agree with you on all of those things. I hope to create an environment for Sebastian where he can still come and talk to me Teenagers are in a very hormonal phase of their life. We have heard from actual doctors and scientists who have told us that their brain reverts into this like toddler space when it comes to decision making. I would like to hear from these kids when they're our age. I want to know if these surveillance kids would feel differently when they're a parent's age. I remember being a teenager and getting in trouble with my grades all the time. I was not a high achiever in terms of school. I just didn't care. I didn't want to study. I still have a great relationship with my mom but had you asked me when I was in the thick of it absolutely there were days where I was like I can't stand being around my mom all she does is this that and the other and look at me now I don't want to say let's not listen to kids because absolutely we should but I made a deal with myself when I had Sebastian and that was at the end of the day I am always going to do what's right for him it may not be what he likes but it is what's going to keep him the safest help him be the most well adjusted even if it makes conflict between us that's my fucking job. I don't know. One of the perks of having a geriatric pregnancy is that most of the people my age have kids 13 to 15 years older than my kids. And so I look to them like my friend Jill, who's been in the thick of it with a teenager and try to garner experiential advice from that situation. So adolescence is a time when teens begin to develop a sense of self that is independent from their parents. And they should. That is the proper growth 
period. It's a necessary, very messy process and one that's probably best left less examined than constantly monitoring. In fact, it's crucial to their mental development that we don't rob them of the opportunity to test their persona independent from their parents and to share personal information when they are ready and in their own way. Parents who choose not to geotrack or read their teenager's text are fostering a two-way trust. They are allowing their kids to make their own mistakes, to know what to share with us, and to grow and change without being surveilled. Equipping our kids with good judgment and letting them mess up without us get in front of every mistake like before it happens or in the beginning of it is the only way to raise young adults who will be equipped to function on their own. This is this one author's opinion. And it's also the best way to build strong relationships with our children, which is something we all want. I'm really curious, listeners, how are you feeling about this? Is this something that you've thought about? Are you already doing it? Have you done it? Regretted it? I want to know. Please reach out to us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com or slide into our DMs. I don't think that we have a right answer at the moment. I'm curious of learning all the gray areas. Well, that's the problem with parenting, right? There isn't always a right answer. It's all gray. It's all gray. The whole point in my mind is to create a relationship where you can have dialogue, where you can allow somebody to fail, hopefully in a way where they're not going to get irreparably hurt. Like, I hope he doesn't go cliff diving and become paralyzed in a fucking wheelchair for the rest of his life. Jesus. It takes one little stupid decision to change your entire life. I mean, that can happen whether you're being surveilled or not. That's my point. Some of those things have nothing to do with keeping tabs. And there has to be some level of trust. When I say I'm for surveilling my child, I don't mean I want to be on there 24-7. But when he has a cell phone, it's going to be under the understanding of if we sense that you're lying to us and you're not telling us the truth and it's going to hurt you, part of it is we're going to be able to look at your cell phone whenever we want. I also really, really urge, in tandem with listening to this and having this conversation, watch that Black Mirror episode. Black Mirror is too much for me. I can't handle it. The episode is called Archangel. I believe it's in season two. I highly recommend, except for Ashley, watching that episode because I think we're not far from that, as many Black Mirror episodes are. And I think that it's something to consider along with these other articles that we've referenced in our show notes. This is from a New York Times Magazine article. This article is very Jewish-centric. Happy Yom Kippur, everyone. It was yesterday because they talk a lot about helping the kid with Hebrew school for bar or bat mitzvah, whatever. So it was about this woman's love of helping her kids with their homework. She loves it. She loves it? That's so weird. It's like her passion. She's a zealot of loving helping her kids with the homework. That is so weird. So the way that this mom describes it, she has multiple kids. She lives in New York. She loves to spend every day right after school, 30 to 60 minutes walking from room to room, helping with homework like a drill sergeant. She on her refrigerator has cards that you take. Each kid takes a different card of a subject subject matter and they pull it and that's the one that they're going to work on that night until they go all the way around each room every subject is covered they only have one thing of homework a night no 
They rotate. So she doesn't have to do math for all of them at the same time. Okay, so she sits her kids down, multiple children, and each one works on a different topic. Yeah, and then they switch. She's a Virgo, definitely. So she's quoted to say, I am thankful to be granted the opportunity to walk alongside my kids as they commit to the work of learning. I love that. I'm here for that. I'm a nerd, though. I kind of dug this woman. She was a little too much for me, but I kind of dug what she had to say. It's a lot, but okay. So the author says, homework has fallen out of favor with a new generation of parents and teachers. It's true. None of the kids that I teach get homework. Really? I'm not teaching them. I'm shadowing teachers. None of them get homework. They do the reading at home and the actual work is done in class. So it's called reverse homework. I mean, as a kid who had so much homework, so, so much homework, I do think that there is a little too much put on homework. So far, I think it's been totally tolerable, but first grade, really, how much homework could he possibly have? I like that we're moving towards this. I mean, reverse homework is a thing that's interesting. Teachers are creating PowerPoint presentations that the kids watch at home, and then the heavy lifting of the work is done with the other students in class. Instead of what we were used to, which is like a teacher walks you through everything in class and you go home and do it. They're saying, I'll help guide you through a PowerPoint or whatever. And then we'll do the tricky work together so that I can teach you how to learn how to do the heavy lifting. So the homework has fallen out of favor with the new generations of parents and teachers. It's a drudgery, they say, wrote work that unnecessarily burdens children. These are fair criticisms. And I suspect that my kids might agree with them all. That's what this woman is saying. She personally loves homework. It provides her with the means to discover just what her children are spending their days learning, how that learning might be progressing and how she might be able to help in that process. Okay, valid points. She said, like bird watching or gardening, overseeing homework is a specialized and obtruse hobby. That was a strange comparison. I was into it because I like all those other hobbies too. The kids are tasked with solving problems and she is tasked with solving the problem of how the kids can best solve that problem. She enjoys the daily array of tweaks that the teachers suggest, whiteboards, not scrap paper, the dining room table, not the living room couch that helped build a successful homework routine. All I have to say is this woman should be a teacher. I'm amazed she's not. This kind of shit that she likes is teacher shit. Yes. She has a hidden desire because this is the kind of shit that I like. I like when the teacher's like, here's a better way to do this. But parents shouldn't really care about that. I mean, it's not that they shouldn't. I have a teacher brain. Even when I was a yoga teacher, I was like, ooh, how can I figure out how to get them in this pose differently? How can I assess if this person's a hands-on learner, this person's a visual learner? That's my brain, which is why I'm a good teacher because I'm into that nerdy part of it. That's just her. She should be a teacher. Right. So she enjoys seeing them overcome the initial impulse that if something doesn't come easy, it isn't worth doing. Until she notices, say, her younger son is suddenly reading more fluidly than usual and no longer reading with assistance. But again, that's teacher shit. That's teacher shit. I don't think every parent should have to do that. No, I have no interest in doing that. I love it. So getting to these moments requires that she remembers her place. When does she insert herself? She was instructed by her younger son's teachers to let him sound words out as he reads rather than leaping in with the answer. And she agreed. These are questions I belatedly realize that are more than just about homework. Questions I will undoubtedly return to again and again as my kids mature and they were required to solve their own problems, both academic, social, emotional, and moral. So this goes back to the surveilling. This teacher said to this woman, stop butting in and helping. Yes. They need to fail a little bit. I do that with homework. And so she was saying it made her question like, oh, I guess I have to do that for other stuff too. I need to step back a little bit. And this is where that surveillance article for me was like, yeah, we have to let our kids fail. It's just what things are we allowing fail? What are we stepping in for? What is your bottom line? What is your time frame? What is the things that you will and will not do? She wants them not only to learn, 
learn, but wants them to value learning as an essential to nurturing the individual and collective humanity. Now, here's what I have to say. You cannot make over a child. I think that you can instill from an early age the value of learning and the value of overcoming, but there are definitely just going to be personalities that are just not going to be there. And you can't force them to be there. You can only say, in order to function, you will have to do these things in order to be able to continue to live your life as a person in this world. You can't say, and I need you to love it. You learn from what you see, right? So probably if you love it and you're instilling in it, they will probably too. But maybe not. You just have to teach them that this is what you have to do in order to get through the day. Right. I was a kid who really did not like school. I liked being part of a conversation. I loved exploring themes of a book we're reading. But when it came to math, when it came to science, no, it was not my thing. And it was not where I wanted to spend all my time and attention. And it was always a fight with my parents about grades. When I was little and things were easier, I got good grades. And then probably sixth, seventh grade, I was like, nope, not into this. I have that brain where I like that immediate gratification of being like, search for the answer. You found the answer. Dopamine rush. Right. Well, I just got really good at cheating. And that's where I got my dopamine rush. Not that I like that in any other facet, but it was just like, this is not what I want to do with my time. I don't know what it says about me, but I liked having a superiority complex of knowing things. You still have that very much. I know. You have a superiority thing in general. Yes. And I mean that in a nice way. You like feeling bougie. Those are things that make you feel good. It's like a control thing. Even now, I'm constantly checking my own grades. I'm just like, what did I get on that paper? But I have to tell you, it makes more sense to me now as an adult. It's kind of like my Invisalign. If you pay the money, you want to see the results. Absolutely. If I'm spending this money out of my hard-earned cash, and this is why I wish I had had some more respect for the amount of money my parents were spending on my education for years and years. Which is why my parents made me pay for mine at least half. My mom's like, you have to at least pay half. And I did. And she's like, because you won't miss class if you know how much money it's costing. It's true. And how hard you had to work at Chili's to make that money. My dentist was telling me how she's had to do Invisalign multiple times. I'm like, you're the dentist and you've had to do it multiple times. That's not a good side. That's not great. And me, I was diligent. I wore that shit all the time and I still do. So this woman, just the final thought is that she wants her kids to think of knowledge as a partial shield against the indignities, large and small, that life may fling at them. And that's sort of how I feel that's that superiority complex. I like knowing that I know how to go to the library and research something. I like knowing that I'm really capable at almost anything I do. Yep. Luna loves to pretend to do homework. She's like, I have so much homework in preschool. And then she's just doing a highlights magazine find. She's like me. She's going to want homework. She doesn't have homework and she's making up homework. She's like, got to practice my letters. I was like, okay, girl, do it. Because I'm a teacher, I think I'm going to like that part of knowing about what she's doing. Where do you stand on this? Well, my issue with the homework thing is the arguments that it makes between Sebastian and I because he sits there and dilly-dallies instead of doing his work. Also, I think he should be able to do certain things on his own. Remember planners where you would write all your homework down? Yeah. They gave him one of those. He writes his homework down every day. Oh, God, I love a good homework planner. I know, I do too. (laughs) See, that's right up my alley. I refuse to hold his hand this year. I sit there with him. If he has questions, I help him. Yeah, I'm not into the hand-holding about it. I just want to be there doing something else, and if she has an issue, and then I'll check it. My issue is, well, why do we have to sit down here for an hour? All you have to do is write 10 spelling words in rainbow colors and then one handout for math class. I don't want to have to sit there and tell him, Sebastian, stay focused. Sebastian, stay focused, which is what I have to do. That's why I don't like it. Have you tried setting a timer? That's a thing that they do in my school. They have a little digital timer. The kid sets 
it themselves and then they are responsible for keeping that time, that helps a lot of kids. What happens if they don't keep that time is my question. Then you say, why do you think you didn't get it done in time? And hopefully it teaches a kid to assess and self-evaluate like they're creating their own rules and their own consequences. So he could be like, it wasn't enough time or I think because I wasn't focused or I think I'm hungry and I couldn't, whatever, whatever. So it's really the examination of it as opposed to any repercussion. Right. And then ideally you adjust. So we go, okay, this is a learning experience. So we need to eat a snack before we do homework. Maybe we need to add an extra 10 minutes. Sebastian, if you don't get the homework done in time, what do you think your consequences should be? Okay. And see what he says. So we did this last year in kindergarten and it would just make him cry, but I'm going to try again. I'm going to get the digital display so he can have it in front of him. And just say, I don't want you to cry. This is about you figuring out what you need to be able to do this without getting upset. Agreed. And you are the only one that can figure it out. And mommy is here to help you figure out what will be the easiest way so that you can get it done and you don't get upset and you can have the rest of your day at home to play Roblox or do whatever else you need. But this has to be done first. I'm literally on Amazon right now picking out a timer. Teachers have this thing called the do now. Right when the kid walks in, they either have it on the board or they have it on the laptop. And the do now is done by the kids by themselves before anything else starts. And usually in the classroom, it's loosely related to what they're going to talk about. And I'm sure they're doing it at his school because every school is doing it. I'm sure. So you can implement the same things that they're doing in the classroom because it's the same routine. You'd be like, Sebastian, this is your do now. Your do now is get out your homework and set your timer. Okay. When the timer's up, mommy will come in and we'll see where you're at with your do now. I like that. I think that's a great plan. Yeah. And then just be like, okay, so why didn't you think you got it done in the do now time? Do you need to add more time? Were you hungry? Were you distracted? You're not getting in trouble. This is just to help you figure out how to make it easy. I love that. That was a very good solution. Thanks. I'm a teacher. I know. You come in handy, friend. Hashtag swag bag. So... I have been trying to, in my busy schedule, honor my OCD about my fingernails and toenails. Gotta have them done. It's just my thing. I've been wanting to be a little bit healthier with my nails, so not necessarily getting gel or whatever and just have them grow on their own. And I don't really have the time to go to the salon anymore because I'm in school. It really is hard to find time for that. And I'm good at doing my own nails. It's just finding the time to do it where they dry. So I've been doing more neutral colors. It ages a little better. Right. The grow out is easier or whatever. The problem is I either like really dark colors or nude. It's really no in-between. That when I take off the dark colors, there is a little bit of a yellowing or a cast to my nails. On TikTok, a bunch of makeup artists were saying that they really love the Kur, K-U-R with an umlaut. I don't know how to say that. Nail Illuminator from London Town. It's a brand of nail polish? London Town is the brand and they have a line called Kur. Oh, I've seen that. There's maybe four different Kur colors and they're all various flesh tones. And it really doesn't even look like I'm wearing nail polish. It just looks like I have a bright nail bed and it's a little bit of a strengthener and it lasts. It's great. And it's not chipping and my nails feel really hard. This is like the purpley flesh color, but they have various different body colors. And I just love it. It gives me wealthy lady nails. It does. Like a buff nail, but it's nail polish. You know, sometimes TikTok really does the trick. Oh, I forgot. I have to add one more thing to my tits. You know, there's the girl that I'm like a frenemy of. Oh, the one you hate. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great style. So I've been in my personal style mode and I put together a really fucking cute outfit the other day and I posted about it. I bought that shirt a million years ago. Have never found a way to wear it. I was wearing your hand-me-down Zara leather pants, that top. I was feeling myself. She complimented me on it on Instagram. I have never gotten a compliment from that girl in my damn life. 
I was like, winning! This girl is truly a fashionista virally. Like an influencer. Yeah, I'm like, well, shit, somebody liked my outfit. That is a tits. I'm going to preface this by saying I impulse bought it. I'm really trying to not be an impulse purchaser. You usually aren't, though. Yes, and I work really hard on it, but this really got me. It is the You Like Laser Hair Remover Air 3 IPL Hair Removal. I was so targeted on TikTok, but I hate shaving. I feel like I get so many ingrowns, and because I'm so fair, then I have scars on my legs from ingrowns, and eventually I'm going to do my bikini. It is the area I have not done yet. You have to do it every other day for like three weeks, and it just takes a lot of time. I bought this thing, and I thought, God, I feel like these things are always a scam. They were promising that it was going to be painless, that you could do your whole body in 10 minutes. You do it initially either three or four weeks every other day, and then after that, once a month. It is completely painless. There is no pain. Every once in a while, you'll get a little teeny tiny shock, and shock is too strong of a word. Like when the new face, it doesn't have the gel on it. Yeah, like a little like zoop. But I'll tell you this, the way that it works, you don't get any ingrowns. I've been shaving my legs above my knee. I've been shaving my armpits for four weeks more than I have in years. There have been no ingrowns. Everything's growing back much more slowly and much less. I haven't shaved in four or five days and I barely have stubble. I'm going to have to do some research because I have light hair and it's fine. Back in the 90s when I cared, I went to a laser place for my bikini line. They said that my hair was too fine to qualify. I was scared that was going to be an issue, especially on my upper thighs where my hair is blonde and it has been working. In the directions, it says it may not work on you. But I'll tell you, it's taken better on my legs than it has in my armpits. And my armpits are definitely the coarser hair. Since menopause, my hairs have become coarser. Then that's even better. Only thing is, and I think this is because I'm a Virgo. I'm very deliberate about each move. It has this auto glide feature, but I'm like, oh, I don't want to go too far. It takes me more than 10 minutes to do my entire two legs and my armpits. I just sit on my bed naked with the stupid glasses on. You have to wear stupid glasses. It comes with them. I would love a picture of you. Matt's walked in and been like, I don't know what I'm watching, <laughs> but this is something very interesting. And I watch Housewives with my glasses on while I'm just sitting there IPLing my leg. It is 329. I bought it when there were $60 off. There is still currently $60 off, but this episode isn't going to come out for like three weeks. Is it on Amazon? Because maybe I can prime it. It is on Amazon. I primed it. It really is incredible. It comes in pink and purple. Which one did you get? What do you think? Pink. Of course. But yeah, it really is worth every penny. Don't go by the promise of your whole body done in 10 minutes and don't go by the promise of in three weeks, you're completely done. No, but it still works well and I still very much give it my seal of approval. There you have it, folks. We love you. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. 
So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.